Hey guys, this is your host, Francisca, and welcome back to the Hikers Anonymous podcast. On this podcast, I help share people's inspirational stories about how hiking, backpacking, and the outdoors changed their lives. If you have an inspirational story about how the outdoors positively impacted your life, please send a short synopsis to hikeoregon at hikeoregon.net and put in the subject line podcast guest. Today, I am talking with Norther, who was such a gem to chat with in person, and I know we could have talked for hours. I met Norther on Instagram, where I learned about her amazing guiding business called Wild Solitude Guiding. Norther has a very unique story about how she has experienced the outdoors throughout her childhood and adult years. So keep listening to this episode to hear me chat with Norther. Okay, today I am here with Norther. I am so excited to have her on the podcast this week. And I want to start off with um, hearing a little bit about your story. Like, did you grow up enjoying the outdoors with your family or did you live more in the city? Yeah, so um, I grew up on the Oregon coast. Um, I'm from a commercial fishing family. Mm And so we spent um, a lot of time outside when I was a kid. And we spent a lot of time camping as a family, um, especially on the Metolius River and like around sister's area. And, and then obviously just being outside all the time as a kid on the beach or hanging out on the dock with my dad while he was working on his boat and like That's amazing. throwing dead fish to the sea lions and stuff. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. It's like a fun thing to do as a kid. Yeah, it's really wholesome, fun. Yeah. Just like get a dead stinky fish and dangle it for the sea lions. That's, awesome. like, oh. That's really cool. Did yeah. you spend a lot of time on the ocean itself too? Not a lot. Um, I remember going out on the ocean with my dad when I was about four. Mm-hmm. It was like, I'm, an, I'm a child of the 80s and there's a lot of things, that experiences that I had unsupervised as a child. Unsafe. That, I would never let my kids do now. And I'm a very laid back parent. I really remember like walking across the deck and it being slanted. And like, how did I not die? I don't know. It's a mystery. Wow. Yeah. We're all glad you're here. (laughs) (laughs) So in your synopsis email, I read uh, that in 2017, you took an unexpected fall while rock climbing. And that ultimately changed the way you experience the outdoors now. So I would like to uh, know a little bit more about this accident. Yeah. So I started hiking really seriously in 2013 Mm -hmm. um, when my first child was about a year old. I just kind of woke up one day and felt like the tide had gone out in my life. Mm -hmm. And I was sort of didn't really know like who I was anymore. And I didn't really know like what I what I was about anymore. So I was like, I'm just going to go hiking because that seems like as good a thing to be about as anything else. Mm -hmm. It's like a good hobby. Uh, Being a mom, I had really limited time Mm -hmm. to myself. And any time that I got what I called autonomous adult time, it involved coordinating with like other grandparents, sometimes driving my child like really far one direction so I could turn around and go hiking Mm -hmm. like in the other direction. It was this big investment of my time to like, go on a hiking trip for the day so i quickly kind of started to prioritize like getting the most out of that day and i kind of found my way into like what i started to call endurance hiking where i 
found that I could hike 20 miles and then I found that I could hike like 25 and then 30 and then 35 and then 40. And these were all just like day hikes. Wow. But I just discovered that I had this like natural ability to just like keep going. I just don't ever really get tired. Yeah. And I started to make kind of like friends around that activity mm. that, you know, like I found a few other people that were like interested in that kind of thing. I had my accident in 2017. So like four years after I'd started hiking mm -hmm. and, um, were you an avid rock climber or were you kind of just starting to explore that hobby? I had been rock climbing. I started rock climbing in 2014 mm -hmm. and I had just been a gym climber for a long time. Okay. And then I think in 2016, an acquaintance of mine, notice kind of like the uh the adventures and stuff i was going on mm -hmm. alone and he offered to kind of like mentor me in rock climbing a little bit and so he just kind of <laughs> threw me in the deep end and trusted yeah. me to swim and we did some like pretty sketchy adventure climbs together mm -hmm. and uh and then i had another friend who i would kind of go on my like longer hikes with so on this particular trip where i got hurt i was with my two favorite adventure friends mm -hmm. they had never met before and we were just doing a scramble. So it wasn't okay. like technical rock climbing. We didn't okay. have a rope. Okay. Um, we didn't think we needed one. And I, because I was the gym climber, mm -hmm. I was kind of, uh, the rock climbing part was the part I was good at. You know, right. I was on this, this like backpacking trip, essentially where we were gonna scramble a couple mountains in this basin in the Baker Snoqualmie National Forest. Mm -hmm. So we like hike up into this basin and we get our tents and stuff set up at camp. And then we like took day packs and we went and we were going to summit one mountain, come down the other side and then go summit the second mountain and come down. Okay. I had, you know, I was a mom at that time. I didn't drink very much, mm -hmm. but I would sometimes have like a beer or like something. Uh, and I had a little bit of wine the night before mm -hmm. and not a lot of dinner. Mm. And I woke up kind of hung over the next day, like did not, didn't sleep great, like just was not feeling my best. Right. And I was on this trip with these two like endurance athletes, mm -hmm. you know? So I just, yeah, I just felt like the lame kid at the back, like the whole trip. I was just <laughs> like, wait up, wait for me, guys. Like, um, so when we got to the rock climby kind of portion where we were in like third, fourth class terrain, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this is, this is it. This like, is your jam. This is my jam. This is what I'm good at, yeah. you know? And I, at that point, I had been, I was probably rock climbing 10 hours a week okay. and had been for several years yeah. at that time. So I was like pretty in, into it. Yeah pretty confident in, in my body in and in my ability. ability to like control my body. Yeah. And so I felt really safe. Yep. Like I felt like I was in, in, in my elements, in my element. Yep. And we were down, we had summited this first mountain. We were down climbing across the slab and really like just pretty chill third class terrain. Mm -hmm. Like you're kind of walking down and there's a few places where you have to use your hands. Mm -hmm. I came up to the edge of this, this little shelf. And I turned around, I could have gone off of the shelf a longer way, mm -hmm. but instead I just like decided to turn around. It was about as tall as me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm just going to do like a quick little fifth class move down the front of this. Cause that's fun for me and it feels right. good. And I feel like strong and like good in my body when I'm climbing. And, uh, and while I was doing that, my feet cut from the rock, even as I first started to fall, I just thought I was going to fall down and like hit my knees mm -hmm. on the rock, mm -hmm. but instead I started backflipping down the slab. 
there was not there was nothing to grab onto right. between me and the edge so I, I was hitting my head over and over as i was flipping backwards and i couldn't orient myself enough to like do anything positive to right. like save myself and the, the edge of this like cliff probably like a 50 foot cliff right. was right there my friends and i had staggered for this climb uh for this descent because there was kind of a lot of like loose rock and stuff yeah. so one of them told me they saw like the side of my shirt like flying through the air and and the other one like heard me screaming mm -hmm. and uh i was just like hurtling towards this edge and so right before i went off the edge i kind of like instead of going straight off the edge i kind of fell into this little chute this like cut where the water runs mm -hmm. like off of the slab and I miraculously landed like standing upright somehow. Wow. And I remember like looking down at my feet and seeing the sky behind my shoes and then just like running my tongue across my teeth. Yeah, like is I'd, everything okay? I'd been hit in the face so many times and in the head that I was like, okay, none of my teeth are broken, okay. I climbed up a little ways and my friends climbed down and met me and I just, um, I just wanted to lay my face against the rock and just be like held by the mountain. Yeah. Flying through the air was terrifying. Yeah. And I just wanted to like be still. So my friends bandaged me up. My wrist, uh, my right wrist started to swell immediately. Oh. And then my left elbow also swelled really big. Mm -hmm. The elbow looked much worse. Mm -hmm. The wrist was not as bad, but it, later I learned it was broken. Mm -hmm. Earlier in the day, before, as we had been approaching this mountain, we had been talking about uh, wilderness first responder training that yeah. my mentor had gone through. And he was saying how there's one exercise they put you through where your one of your partners is like mortally injured and they're not going to make it. And it's kind of a question of like, are you going to tell them or are you going to just let them pass in peace? And I was like, oh, wow. No, I would like to know. He's like, oh, I would never say I would never tell anyone that. So then we are in this situation and I was like, is my wrist broken? Do you think it's broken? It's broken, isn't it? And he was like, no, I, I think you're fine. And I was like, are you lying to me? <laughs> it was totally broken. I cheese grated all the skin off from my jawline all the way down my mm -hmm. neck to the back of my shoulder, kind of oh, like in this motion. Wow. Uh, split every knuckle. Yeah. Um, so you were filthy, just bloody. Filthy and bloody and like bleeding. But from nothing all these else broken besides your nothing, wrist? Just, just the wow. wrist. And then a tremendous amount of like tissue damage in the left arm. Wow. Um, the left arm is actually worse off. I could use my right hand better mm -hmm. than my left. My left got smashed at the elbow and so everything downstream from that just didn't yeah. work. And I was still on the side of a mountain. Right, so And the so sun was setting. What? How do you so get down? We quickly realized that the, that the alternate route that we were taking was trying to lead us down into this gully where there was just like a really short section of fifth class down climbing mm -hmm. and that rock had fallen between the time that we had like read this beta from someone else and there was this huge unstable rock on top yeah. of our route we climbed all over that mountain looking for another route down trying to figure out what else we could do and then mm -hmm. finally uh, my friend steven climbed down into that gully and kicked that rock off and it you know slammed into the into a snow field that was like maybe 100 yards from the from the end there mm -hmm. so 
didn't cause like a rock avalanche or anything, oh but it, de it definitely could have. Like we yeah. could have, we easily could have been in a position where that was like not a good alternative. Right. right. So I was really thankful for that snow field. It smelled like gunpowder when huh. the when the rock landed in the valley. After all of that, we were finally able to. I down climbed with like two fingers on my right hand and then the God. side of my left arm, like my forearm. Wow. This podcast is sponsored by CS Instant Coffee, the best instant coffee on the trail. I am a huge coffee snob and I've tried countless brands of instant coffees on the trail over the years. In 2019, I discovered CS Instant Coffee and my friends can attest that I have been absolutely obsessed ever since. I take the awesome compostable CS coffee packets with me whenever I go car camping and backpacking, and they even come with me when I go snowshoeing in the winter as a nice warm drink to enjoy at lunchtime. If you haven't tried this incredible coffee yet, let CS Instant Coffee fuel your next adventure. Walk, hike, run, or bike over to the nearest place you have internet and go to www.csinstant.coffee. That's www.csinstant.coffee. From there, you know, we still had a long hike back to camp. Mm -hmm. My hands were destroyed. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't get water. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't do anything for myself. So I just felt like this wounded little bird. And I was really self-conscious about like Aww. how much care I was needing. I could, I could not pull up my pants. You know, I had yeah. like leggings on. I yeah. will never wear leggings. So once again, yeah. I had leggings on and my, luckily one of my friends, I brought one female friend on this trip and one male friend and my, so yeah, I had to call my female friend over and be like, I can't get my leggings back <laughs> And then you were probably in a tremendous amount of pain too, or was kind of the adrenaline taking over that you didn't really realize until later? The pain wasn't that bad. Mm -hmm. It was more the trauma of falling. Mm -hmm. And I had two, I had two very young children at that time. Right. I had, a, my son was about to start kindergarten um, and my daughter was two. And so I, I pretty much spent the rest of that weekend crying about how yeah. I almost left my children without right. a mother and thinking right. about all of the people I know who grew up without a mom yeah. or like lost their mom really suddenly and how I just didn't like want my kids to have that kind of pain. Right. And my daughter was too young to have even had any memories of me at that time. Right. So yeah, I just, I, it was, it was all about like what they almost lost mm -hmm. really more than anything else and i think it took it took a few days uh before it really settled in for me like how injured i was right even in the mountain i was just like okay like close call couple mm -hmm. of scrapes my wrist and my arm were kind of messed up um but i'm, I'm fine i'm here i didn't smash my teeth out so right. all okay later you know after i had we hiked out the next day and I was able to hike out, which was good. I tried to drive home and I definitely could not right. turn the wheel. <laughs> um, wow. I was okay on the straight parts, <laughs> but then like I, we, we stopped once we got to a mountain town, we like stopped and went to like a drugstore so that I could like get some wound cleaning mm -hmm. stuff. And, uh, you know, like a better selection of band-aids and a new ACE bandage. And like, mm -hmm. I needed a bunch of things. And then I, and then I had to call my husband at the mm -hmm. time and be like, 
hey, so had, had a little accident, you know, and he was like, okay, you're good. Everything's good. I was like, yeah, I'm okay. You know, and then, yeah. and then once I got home, he was like, whoa, whoa. you really beat up. Yeah. <laughs> he handled it really well though. Like I, once I finally told him what happened and I was like, he was like, listen, Northern, I drove my car off the same cliff twice. One time going forward to the other time backing up. <laughs> I was like, okay. So he knows the hazards. Of yeah. Yeah. He was definitely not like trying to shame me for right, what happened right. or anything. It's it just comes with the territory. So right. um yeah, I didn't I didn't think my wrist was broken. I didn't go to the ER for like three days. Yeah. And uh, I was more concerned with the left arm. That took a really long time to heal. I had I went to a lot of acupuncture. Mm -hmm. um, my chiropractor work did a lot of like soft tissue work. Mm -hmm. um, my wrist has never like fully healed. There's right. like things in my arm are just different yeah. now. It was really traumatic though, and the part that was the most disturbing was that I couldn't for like a long time after the accident I couldn't remember what actually happened. Mm -hmm because every time i thought about it i pictured myself falling off the cliff like dying on the talus slope right you know and i couldn't it would take like conscious effort to be like that's not what happened i fell in the little chute i landed standing upright like i walked off yeah i walked off but i had this like trauma fear like right transplanted my own memory and that was really that was really hard but yeah, I mean, I came home and I, you know, I had been, I had been going hard for a really long time and I didn't right. know how to stop. Right. So I got home and within like three or four days, I was like trail running with a jogging stroller, wearing a dress because I couldn't pull up my pants. And I was wearing like slip on shoes because I couldn't mm -hmm. tie my shoes. Right. And just running with like one, one hand. Wow. And yeah, that kind of that kind of jostling was like not no not helpful <laughs> to my healing. And also, I just like I didn't I didn't know how to take care of right. myself. Right. I didn't know how to like slow down or like accept what had happened. It took me a really long time to understand like that was really scary. Right. It was not just a little thing. Interesting. Um, and that like things were gonna be different for me for a while. So you basically went back and did outdoorsy things pretty much right away? Yeah, I couldn't rock climb anymore, right. which like I had been rock climbing probably four days a week at that point. Mm -hmm. And, and that was because of the mental trauma or physical uh, or both? From the physical, like my arm was in a cast for six weeks. Right. And then it had, and then when I got it out of the cast, uh, I had no mobility in my right. wrist. So PT and all that. Yeah. yeah. And it, my, my chiropractor was like, you can't start climbing again right away. Right. Um, you'll get a tendon injury if you do, and that'll put you out another year. Like oh, you have to do these like tedious little wrist exercises. Mm -hmm. You have to keep coming back. I will, I will clear you as soon as I can. And then after I did get cleared, I could only climb like very, very easy routes. The novelty of that wore off very quickly. Yeah. Within the first day, I was like, cool. So I'm just climbing like five, seven and under right. for how long? <laughs> so that was, uh, and that was kind of my whole, that was all of my social interactions was mm -hmm. around rock climbing. Mm -hmm. And um, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna start running because I still have legs and right. I don't need my hands. I'd never been like super into running before, but I was like, okay, here we go. I'm just gonna trail run with my broken arm now. Yeah. 
So I started going to the Salmon Huckleberry mm -hmm. on Mount Hood. I went there probably three or four times a week. And I think even like when the accident happened, you know, uh, one of the first things that I did once I was like, got cleaned up and everything and my friends and I were still on the side of the mountain and the sun was setting, I was like, okay, I need to cry for like five minutes and then we can get out of here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Cause I was really worried about like where, like what would happen if I didn't process this trauma right away. Right away. And I was like, I know what to do. I know all about this. I'm going to heal myself and I'm going to do all the right things. Yeah. And I'm going to do every little exercise that I'm given. And I'm going to just cry and, you know, everything will work itself out. And, and, it, and it didn't, yeah. <laughs> and it, it didn't, it didn't get better. It didn't go away. It didn't yeah. get easier. And so I just kept driving to Salmon Huckleberry every three times a week and just like crying in my car and crying on the trail. <laughs> I kept waiting for this like moment where I was going to be like healed better. Yeah. And I could, and then I could go back to who I was. Yes. And it took me a really long time to understand, like, I'm never going to be that person again. Right. And so I also had to kind of like mourn the like loss of my very fearless self, mm -hmm. my like very confident, like, you know, self that felt like I could always control what happened to my body. I was always in control right. of my body. Right. From there, like the way that I spent time in the outdoors just started, slowly started to change. Mm -hmm. Because I couldn't, I couldn't go back to doing the things I had done before. And I also was starting to see the, the sort of more subtle risks in, in everyday outdoor activities, which, you know, like, you know, I work with people around their fear of the outdoors. It's kind right. of like one of the main things that I do in my work. Uh, people are kind of focused on the big three. It's like cougars, bears, and men are their like big three things right. that they're scared of. And I just started to see, like, I started to look at the terrain that I was in differently. Mm -hmm. Like, is there potential for a rock fall here? Like, is like, you know, is this trail really slippery? You know, like how far is the drop here? Like what would happen if I lost my balance here? Yeah. And not like in an over the top kind of way, but just like kind of starting to really notice yeah. where I'm at and, and what's around me and like what the potential dangers are. Do you think that also comes with age a little bit like regardless of if you've had a traumatic accident in the outdoors because i find that i have grown way more cautious over the years versus when i was like in my early 20s to now in my mid 30s i see stuff like that too like oh i could slip here and fall off this cliff whereas 10 years ago i never even would have that would have not yeah. even been a thought in my mind. So I don't know. Do you think that's an age thing too? Or I think it just comes from experience. experience. And I think what I see in my work is that there are, there is, there's a threshold you cross mm -hmm. as you become more experienced in the outdoors mm -hmm. where you focus less on fear and more on risk. Mm -hmm. Risk is not very glamorous and exciting. Right. It's not very captivating. It's actually usually really, really boring stuff. Yeah. A lot of people start out with the, you know, kind of like the big three fears mm -hmm. and maybe they have some other things in there. Like they don't like spiders or they don't like snakes right. or whatever. Yeah. After, I think that after you've had enough experiences out, outdoors where you hike for 10 years and never once see a cougar, like right. it starts to kind of coming. fall away. Yes. 
but Whereas, other fears can grow. Like you've seen many rock slides in your day. You've seen trees fall because of wind and stuff like that. Yeah. Whereas if you've never had those experiences, you don't even think about, oh, this tree could fall on me in the middle of the night while I'm while I'm sleeping. sleeping yeah. You know. Yeah, I was just hiking in the gorge over the winter. I really like to go out to the gorge in the winter because the there's the waterfall like ice features are so interesting yeah. and there's less people and stuff. And I was just hiking this section of the 400 trail that I had somehow never been on. And the rock fall on that trail was unreasonable. There, at one point I'm hiking along and I come past this tree that has this huge gouge taken out of it. Like, <laughs> like the bark smashed off. And also there's just this big giant wound Chunk. on the side of the tree. And then I look down and there's the rock that hit it that has broken into like eight pieces. And it was like, oh it was like the size of a watermelon. Yeah. It was a substantial rock and it had fallen from probably 3000 feet. Whoa. And I, uh, <laughs> yeah, you'd be dead. That's, you. you know, and it's not like I like, it's not like when I'm hiking along and I'm like, oh, like, it's not really a fear thing. It's just like a risk evaluation mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. I'm going along and I'm like looking at these signs. Like, I think some right. people would not notice the tree, right. not notice the rock, and maybe not even notice they're walking through what was a mudslide the year before. Because exactly. once somebody comes through and cuts the trail back in, it's harder to tell. Right. So I think a lot of it comes from learning to like read landscapes mm -hmm. a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah. And then just the experience of being out there and, and ha seeing all the close calls. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, in telling your story, you answered a lot of these questions <laughs> that I had, which is so awesome. So you basically answered how your hiking journey has changed from the beginning. But then my follow-up question to that was, do you miss some of the aspects of being an endurance athlete and kind of, cause you said you kind of mourned that loss of your former self before the accident. I think that was kind of the first piece that started chipping away at that. Like, cause I, I continued to do like longer. Cause you were still trail running. So. I, was still, I got into trail running and yeah. I was still doing like longer hikes and like was yeah. still kind of like limit testing, I guess. Mm -hmm. But that was the first piece that sort of started to chip away at this idea that like the forest is just like a background for your like achievements and accomplishments and it's mm -hmm. just a background for your weekly miles you know like when i was going out to pick like a 40 mile route mm -hmm. you know i was looking for something very specific yeah when you hike more than 20 miles a day you can't form memories of mm -hmm. everything you see or a relationship with the yeah with the trail I would hit a threshold every time, like I would set up these big elaborate loops through these like beautiful places. Mm -hmm. And then I wouldn't, I would only remember just these little chunks of it because when your right. nervous system is in an elevated state for that long, like you're not forming memories, you're not going to remember. There's just not room in your brain to remember everything you saw in 35 miles. Right. As that stuff kind of like fell away more and more, I realized that what I actually wanted to be in the woods doing was something like much easier and more relaxed mm -hmm. and going like in my journey to heal myself going to the salmon huckleberry three times a week for like almost a year i saw every inch of that trail those trails all of them through every season yeah and i just started to like notice more and i started to feel like more connected to the places that i traveled but mm -hmm. i also started to feel like Part of the reason that nothing had ever felt like it was enough is because I wasn't slowing down mm. enough to appreciate 
what was already in front of me. You know, I was always like, wow, that's really cool. Let's keep going. Like, oh, that waterfall is really beautiful. Like, let's see what's around the next corner. That is a fascinating point. Wow. I, I never thought of it that way. Because doing these interviews, I've come across so many people that kind of have the same journey with hiking where like in the beginning, they're just like, go, go, go. I got to do it all. I got to get all the hikes in and like having this like sense of urgency. Yeah. And I had that myself. And that's a very good point. You feel like you need more and more because you're not getting what you're actually looking for on the trail when you're just like flying through it. Yeah. Yeah. And now I like somebody asked me recently, like, how far, how far do you hike? Like, what's your like average mm -hmm. like distance when you go hiking? And I didn't even know what to say because mm -hmm. I don't even pay attention anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, I, th I feel like our, our whole society like overvalues the, the expression of physical abilities mm -hmm. in the context mm -hmm. of the outdoors. Like, far above and beyond like all of the other benefits and aspects that you right. can appreciate how far did you hike how yeah. tall was the mountain that you climbed yeah how quickly did you do it i mean if anything i think time on your feet is the most reasonable comparison metric mm -hmm. like how many hours were you hiking says a lot more right. than like you know like how far did you go or or right. whatever right it just there's there are a lot of times where i still miss the kind of like accomplishment achievement reward that mm -hmm. i was getting mm -hmm. from like seeing myself like do things that i never thought my body could do yeah but in the end i just slowly moved like further and further away from like what other people might understand or expect from me mm -hmm. and like ended up developing a practice that was way more holistic and and rooted in just like having the experience rather than being rather than doing that's a great segue into you telling us more about your business, Wild Solitude Guiding, because I think that's all very connected in kind of slowing down and creating those new practices in the outdoors and then wanting to share that with mm -hmm. other people. At the time that my accident happened, it felt like this horrible thing, you know, super traumatic. And I felt like part of my identity had been taken away from me. Mm -hmm. And, but it, that was, that experience was such a gift because that's yeah. really like what set me off like on this path right. that I'm on now. So, um, I started wild solitude in, uh, at the, let's see, early 2021, mm -hmm. I think I was just out hiking one day and I had kind of been, you know, trying to figure out what I was going to do next in my life and how I was going to build something for myself that was really authentic to me. I didn't want to start a business and feel like I was my own boss. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted to craft something, something for myself that was exact, that was based on exactly who I am and exactly what I do. Mm -hmm. I was hiking on the Bay Ocean Spit one day and I was like walking along and I saw this really cool, like really big chunk of carnelian on the ground and I went and picked it up. And at that moment I like had this, like thought came through me or whatever. And it was like, start a guiding service in this Tillamook State Forest. Wow. So um, I did, when I got back to my car, I called the Oregon Department of Forestry and I started my application process. And I had, uh, I had an LLC six days later. Incredible. And I just like dove in. 
And I didn't know if anybody would understand what I was talking about at mm -hmm. first. Um, the term that I use is intimacy with place. I didn't know if other people would get that or if it would be resonant with anyone or if it was just like too, too, too out there, <laughs> too overly, like overly intellectualizing an idea uh -huh. to the point where it would like speaking of it that way would only appeal to like a certain group of right. people. So it's been really amazing to see people really connect with the idea mm -hmm. and, and resonate. I truly, I truly do believe that it's like a universal human experience. Oh, for sure. So I just wanted to find a way to bring something forward for people where I could share like all of the knowledge and all of the information that I've learned, you know, since I started spending all my time in the woods yeah. back in 2008, yeah. I think is when I started really like traveling a lot and, and having like a lot more adventures or yeah. whatever. There are a lot of like very niche and specific skills that I've learned along the way mm -hmm. that I don't see people talking about in like popular outdoor culture. Right. I really wanted to just like bring something forward so people could like build confidence in themselves that they can do things in the, in the woods alone, that right. they can like explore undeveloped recreation areas like the Tillamook or like, um, you know, undeveloped parts of Mount Hood. Mm -hmm and just have confidence in themselves and their abilities. Yeah. And once I started, it became, it became really clear, like where I could really help people. And one of those is like overcoming fear. I get mm -hmm. a lot of people, especially a lot of women come to me because they want to work through their like fear and mindset blocks around spending time in right. the outdoors. Right. That's probably my, that and foraging are probably mm -hmm. my like two most best selling offerings. Mm -hmm. And they both really come from the same place of like, let's sit down, let's talk about like where your fear, what your fears are, where they come from. And then from there, we just kind of like intuitively work through with different yeah. exercises. Um, I take people to different places and we do some intuitive navigation kind of things. Mm -hmm. Or a lot of the time we just walk and talk yeah. and work through it together. In addition to that kind of stuff, I offer foraging and navigation. And those are both practical classes mm -hmm. that are really just a sneaky way to get you to pay more attention to your surroundings. Right. If you're not paying attention, you're going to get lost. Yes. And if you're not paying attention, you're not going to find the plant you're looking for or like understand anything about its habitat, where it grows. Mm -hmm. So foraging is cool because like eating, eating snacks in the woods is cool. <laughs> but, uh, but really foraging is just like a way to connect more deeply with the places around right. you. So. Right. And kind of take that time to slow down and yeah. enjoy it. And to notice like, like the details, like the minute details. Mm -hmm. There's a place that I teach my foraging class. And if I, and I hike there all the time. It's like a nice, easy, flat walk that I take my kids on. Um, there's a creek nearby. So we go there in the summer. And, but if I didn't teach foraging and if I didn't forage there, I would probably never notice that one side of the road is swampier than the other. Mm -hmm. So I know that like wetter plants grow on the north side of the road right. and then the drier plants are on the south side and right. it, there's kind of like a little rise. So they're actually like, there's different things. Different little <laughs> ecosystems yeah. on both sides. And I, I would never notice that if I wasn't like right. paying attention. Right. So how often do you take people out I have um, community events twice monthly, Okay. Um, more or less every other week. This summer, we're doing mini weekend retreats mm -hmm. where a small group of just up to three people will come out and camp with me all weekend. And we go through kind of all of the different 
basically run through all of the different offerings. We do a night oh, hiking cool. event. Okay. Um, we camp together. We do a foraging class, a navigation class, and then we go on on our kind of core offering, our intimacy with place yeah. hike. That's amazing. So it's like an all-in-one. It's an all-in-one thing. Weekend. But if you just want to take one class, I still have spots on ah, the weekend. Okay. So if you just want to come out and take a foraging class or whatever, yes. you can join our weekend cohort oh, for a cool. few hours um, and take that class. So I have kind of, I split it up. So I have like a little yeah. bit of something for everybody. Yeah. Um, and then I also do one-on-one -on -one workshops right. and uh, teach like private classes and stuff. So mm -hmm. I usually do two or three of those throughout the calendar month. Mm -hmm. And then the foraging navigation, cool. many retreats. Very cool. Um, so I, we're like at the tail end. Yeah. I want to know what is currently one of your favorite things about being in the outdoors. I am really this summer, like really looking forward to certain foraging seasons. Mm -hmm. um, really looking forward to wild rose oh, season yeah. because rose petals go with everything. Yeah, I'm looking forward to taking more naps outside. <laughs> it seems kind of silly, but like I, I got a hammock last year and mm. like I really feel like hammock hangs are an yeah. underrated outdoor experience. My friend and I set one up in this really beautiful old growth forest where the floor was, there was a lot going on yeah. on the forest floor right. and it was like not really a place that you could hang out, but we like strung up this hammock mm. and we got to just like swing above this creek and oh, it was pretty nice. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting the hammock out more yeah. and I love to just like hike off trail into the woods until I find a place that I like and then mm -hmm. set up my hammock and read a book. <laughs> Um, but yeah, just like being and, and not doing mm -hmm. is, um, is my favorite thing right now. I love it. And then lastly, what is a message you would like to share with the listeners? I think if there's one message that I can share with everyone, what worked for me in the end when it came to like healing from the trauma of my accident mm -hmm. and finding a new rhythm with myself in in the outdoors and in my life more in general the the recipe ended up being solitude plus repetition being alone not like bringing someone along for for the distraction mm -hmm. not turning it into a social event but just like going out alone going to the same place over and over that's what's really taught me all of the skills that I've learned in the outdoors. That's what's made me really good at foraging. That's what I tell all of my foraging clients to do is like mm -hmm. pick one spot, go there, learn all of the plants that are there. That's mm -hmm. your spot. And it's the same is true for any skill. If you want to become a better navigator, like pick one place that you go at where you practice the same mm -hmm. skills over and over because building intimacy with the land in that way, it gives you more confidence to step outside of your comfort zone and try things you've never tried before. If you've never hiked off trail, you know, maybe once you're familiar with an area, you'll feel more comfortable like wandering off right. along that meadow and, and, you know, exploring a ridge and then dropping yeah. back down to the trail yeah. or whatever. I would love to see people adopting that practice of repetition mm -hmm. more often mm -hmm. and just like taking time to really notice because everything unfolds from there. I think a lot of the time people get bored easily and quickly yeah. and so a lot of people don't do stuff like that yeah like repetition like with everything repetition is key yeah learning it, a new musical instrument a language anything like that i used to i used to redline hiking books right mm -hmm. like i would get the hiking book and i would just go through <laughs> until i'd done them all 
And one of my like most admired friends one day was like, you just go to new places all the time. And I was like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And he was like, huh, you should try it the other way sometime. You know, and then I was talking to a few years later, I was talking to a climbing guide and he goes to the same climbing area mm -hmm. um, three times a week with clients. Wow. And he was like, yeah, you know, I just challenge myself to like notice something new yeah. every day. Like every time I go there, I, I try to find one thing that I've like never noticed before. And I yeah. was like, that's really cool. That's that is neat, cool. <laughs> it is. It really is. And I used to be the same way. I would take my Sullivan books and like cross off every single hike until I got through the whole entire yeah. 100 hikes plus the extra 100 in the back. And I would never repeat a hike. I think for the first like five years that I was like really getting into hiking. And it's kind of just recently that I've started to repeat hikes and like even my most repeated hike, I think I've, I've only done like, I don't know, six or seven times. So, which is not that much, yeah. but it's my favorite hike. And I look forward to doing it every single year, yeah. even though it's my most repeated hike and most people would be like, oh, that's boring. And it's also one of the shortest hikes. It's like <laughs> two miles. What is it? It's Lucky Lake. Oh, I don't know. On the, along one. the Cascade Lakes Highway. Yeah. And every time I get there to the lake, and because you can see South Sister across the lake, and I just get there and I just sit there and love looking at it. The first time I went there, I cried because it was so beautiful. <laughs> and so I just love always that. have that like feeling. It's special with those like alpine hikes because mm -hmm. you can, you can't, they're not open for very many months. Right. So like you kind of, you got to get in there when mm -hmm. you can get in there. So we're so lucky around here. We have so much. So much. It's, yeah. it's actually really overwhelming. Uh, I can imagine. For a lot there's of so much so close. It's yeah. like, what do you do? Where do you go? Where do you go? And then, and then you pick a few things and it's super crowded. And the, the, I love guiding and guiding is really fun. But uh, my, the advice service that I have, mm -hmm. really one of my favorite parts of my business. Yeah. Um, because. And I bet that gets used a lot. It does. Yeah. It people does. People have all sorts of questions. I have a lot of repeat customers. I have a lot ah, of people who, yes. who will hit Excellent. me up repeatedly throughout the year. And then I also, as kind of an offshoot from the advice service, I offer mini guides, yeah. um, which are like sold in limited edition. Mm -hmm. And I offer them to my email list first. They don't even always make it to the public. Right. Sometimes people buy every single yeah. one. Um, but that way I can share kind of more like intimate and specific details about, mm -hmm. places, about places, places that I wouldn't necessarily share with the whole entire internet. Exactly. But, um, that's what I do for my members too. The members, yeah. members only hikes is shared with only those paying members. And there's, you know, there's not that many of them. So yeah. it's like, I feel okay sharing some of these really crazy, cool places that I'm not going to share with, Yeah. you know, do you know, uh, Zach Forsyth? He wrote a book about, he's written a couple mm -hmm. hiking books about the gorge. No. There's the information in there that I've never read in any wow. other book. His, all, he did all of his research in the old, rare book room at Powell's. Wow. You know how it is what? when you look up a destination and you see the same regurgitated yes. paragraphs yes. over and over. Yeah. His book has contains zero of that wow. fluff. It's truly incredible. He's a cannoneer. I really, I hate gatekeeping and I hate, like, I hate the yeah. whole mentality yeah. behind it. And also like, I don't owe people the labor of figuring out where no. I took a photo and no. explaining it to them because they'll never understand. I think some people just like want to know what area something's from. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes I see a photo and I'm like, 
wow, where is that even from? It's always right. like is Estonia or, or yeah. you know, it's right. like, it's like, <laughs> oh, it's in Turkey. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. But I've never seen that waterfall or right. anything that looked like it ever. But. Right. But you're not necessarily looking for like I'm not gonna the go GPS there. coordinates. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to go there and stand in that spot and take that picture. Right. Yeah. So there's a, there's a balance. I think everybody yeah. that shares stuff on the internet has to find their for own, sure. their own what like, they're level comfortable with and yeah well thank you so much for yeah, being on the you. podcast this was so fun yeah i loved learning more about your story and of course i'll share all of your links and stuff and yeah thank show you notes and we appreciate yeah. it i hope you enjoyed today's episode again if you have an inspirational story about how the outdoors positively impacted your life please send a short synopsis to hike oregon at hikeoregon.net and put in the subject line podcast guest Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe and happy trails.